Today's sponsor is EveryPlate. Initially, I thought meal kits had to be expensive, that they were kind of a splurge. But as it turns out, EveryPlate is more affordable than groceries. Their quality ingredients come pre-portioned to help you save money and reduce food waste, you know, like the bag of spinach that I throw out every single week. You can skip the store and let every plate plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a consistently low price. For me, in the summer, I'd rather be out enjoying the sunshine than cooking. Every plate helps me do just that. Simple, stress-free recipes come together in just six steps and are ready in about 30 minutes or less. You can choose between 17 recipes that change every week and swap proteins and sides to your liking, so you can switch up dinner routines however you want. Every plate helps me experience more of my favorite things in life by saving me time and money, which means more money towards vacations, concerts, the list goes on. You can choose from classic plate, veggie plate, family plate, and easy plate preferences to serve up crowd-pleasing meals night after night. Try every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering the code SELFIE179. Again, that's $1.79 per meal at everyplate.com with the code SELFIE179. Today, our show is sponsored by Nutrafol. 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. If you are among them, know that you're not alone and there is a solution you can trust to deliver results. Thousands of women have taken back control of their hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol offers targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. Healthier hair growth takes time. You'll begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster growing hair in three to six months. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months of use. Nutrafol is physician-formulated to be 100% drug-free. They use medical-grade botanicals in consistently effective doses so you get the most reliable results. And no matter your stage in life, they have a solution. Nutrafol women's formulation is ideal if you're experiencing thinning hair loss caused by stress, dieting, overstyling, or environmental toxins. Their other formula, Women's Balance, is for additional hormone support for those with thinning hair through menopause. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code SELFIE to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, you get free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com. That's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code SELFIE. Hey everyone, I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and a psychotherapist. And I'm Rue Powell, an admitted workaholic and self-care Luddite. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about women learning to take better care of themselves. We think self-care is important, but it can simultaneously be elusive. We don't lack information about it, but we don't always quite get there. So this podcast is dedicated to exploring different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious. We're looking at health, relationships, beauty, periods, and maybe a touch of the random. We also want to look at the hurdles we face that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. To submit questions to me or Rue, or to Claire, our beauty expert, or BJ, our resident therapist, join us in our private forum by searching Selfie Podcast Community on Facebook. Hey guys, well, we've got a timely topic for you today, which is politics. We're going to be talking with Sarah Stewart Holland. She is the co-host of the podcast Pantsuit Politics. She's also the author of a book called I Think You're Wrong, But I'm Listening, A Guide to Grace-Filled Political Conversations. She's got a lot of great advice and things to say about how to navigate these difficult times with politics being at a fever pitch. Um, We're also going to be hearing from BJ. She's talking about what does it mean to abandon yourself? She's going to talk about how to nurture and protect your inner child. And she's giving special attention in this to listeners in the LGBTQ community. Well, Rue, how is your self-care going? Well, this topic is so timely because (laughs) I feel like with everything going on with politics, I am just, I am... I can't help but get absorbed into it, absorbed by it, and then get angry about it. Uh And, you know, I put a sign in front of our house. Uh And it's not not a Biden-Harris sign or a Trump sign. It just says, you know, it's that sign that goes, in this house, we believe feminism is for everyone. Black Lives Matter. Yes. And um, it's in rainbow colors, and it's very pretty. And you'd be surprised at how such an innocuous sign, seemingly (laughs) innocuous sign, where we declare that 
science is real and no human is illegal and black lives matter. Like all of those things are now little like time bombs in a conversation with anyone. And it's difficult too because um, I live in a blue state Mm-hmm. But more and more, it seems like I'm really living in a red area. And mm. I know you feel that way a little bit, too, with some of the stuff that was happening in your area, even though California is so blue. Yeah. Um, and so that's – it's kind of a bummer because even in local mom groups um, and, and that sort of thing, to hear, like – to hear someone in my town say, well <laughs> – you know, I have to vote for Trump because Biden's going to let Bill Gates microchip us. Yeah. I'm just kind of like, oh, yeah. all right. Well, that's a friendship that's not going to happen, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so I have to, I have, as much as I pride myself on wanting to be informed so I can act when appropriate, I feel like I need to step away a bit because I can get wrapped up in it really fast and I can yeah. get, I can get hot about it too. So, uh I hear you. I mean, I, I feel the same way. I feel the exact same way. And it's been, you know, it's been frustrating. I think we're all watching the internet sort of push people to very, very different extremes. And yeah. the internet has also allowed a place where facts and research are not as important as how you feel about things, which is difficult. Um you know, and I, I mean, I have even, I will say this as an act of self-care, I have been unfollowing and unfriending people who, um, now I'm fine with differences of opinion and I'm even mm-hmm. fine with differences politically, mm-hmm. but when people are consistently posting things that are not true, that are like uh. verifiably not true, or when people are consistently posting things that sort of call into question, um, the civil rights movement that's happening right now for black people. Yeah. Then I'm like, you know, as an act of self-care, I don't want to see your words anymore. Yeah. No, I like that. Or maybe even as an act of self-care, I don't want to give you the opportunity to like shout, shout me down when I'm sharing something. Yes. You know what I mean? Like someone that has to go, well, actually on every, on everything that you share. Oh, totally. Um, no, that that is smart. And what I've been doing, and I can't remember the name of the website right now, but when I want to get into some uh, serious writing, I will use that to block different websites so I can't get caught up in it. Um, so I can't go on Facebook and I can't go on Twitter and I can't go on Reddit or yes. CNN or whatever. Yes, yes. And, that, and that's been helpful because it, it carves out a space where I'm not being inundated by that. Yeah, totally. How about you? What's your self-care like? Um, it's going pretty good. I mean, you know, given the circumstances that we're in, it's going pretty good. I have been trying to um, take up like a real rigid practice of walking every day, which doesn't sound like it's that, you know, <laughs> that um, big of a deal. But for me, it's like getting out of the house, driving somewhere that's pretty to walk. Right. Um, because I don't have any alone time. You know, I'm never alone. I'm surrounded by I live with, you know, there's eight of us in one house. Um, and that is the only time that I can really take, take time to myself where I won't be interrupted. So I've been trying to drive down to the beach, which isn't too far. I mean, it's a five minute drive. Um, but just get out in nature. Um, you know, it's just, I find when I do that, it is a really good reset button for me. Um, and then rather than spending the time, (laughs) Like I could actually spe- take a walk and check my email at the same time. Like I could, yeah. do, I have done that <laughs> or, you know, Vox my assistant or like try to find a way to be productive on my walk. And like, I'm trying not to do that. I'm trying to just listen to music or listen to a podcast and allow my brain some time to think. So I have been doing that and it has been really helpful for me. I will share with you a podcast I made called Coffee and Contemplation, which might be nice. It might be nice for your walks. Okay. I love it. I would love that. What do you usually – what podcast do you listen to when you're on a walk? Uh, Selfie podcast only. Obviously only. No, only. Um, You know, I – I don't listen to a ton of podcasts because I find that I navigate towards podcasts that are all about productivity or yeah. politics. Yeah. And then it kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah. So I will listen to um, like affirmations. Oh. 
or a really soothing, like a soothing meditative something, whether that's like Tibetan bowls or or something else um so really anything that's soothing but i do listen to a lot of music yeah or um or an audiobook where it's a book that i'm really interested in and that way it's not like a a topic that can (laughs) wind me up a little bit well this may come as a giant surprise but i do enjoy listening to musicals when i'm walking (laughs) (laughs) so dorky um you'll appreciate this i told my youngest that she needed to spend 10 minutes cleaning her room. And she looks at me and she goes, okay, 10 minutes. That's two Hamilton songs on ah! it. And <laughs> so that's how she, that's how she uh, sections out her time. So she listened to like, she, I hear her singing at the top of her lungs. I love um, it. You know, when she's done with two songs, she's like, all right, I did my 10 minutes. I've done my time. Maybe you just need to lead with that and be like, I need you to clean your room for two Hamilton songs. Right. Right. Or just a couple of the greatest showmen and, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever else. (laughs) That's so funny. Well, what do you have for two thumbs up today? Okay. I have a beautiful book. Mm -hmm. But do you know the artist? She's really big on Instagram. Rachel Ignatovsky. She did that Women in Science book. Oh, Um, yes. We have that book. Yes. So she she came out with Women in Art. <gasps> Ooh. And it's 50 fearless creatives who inspired the world. Oh, I'm and it's so not in. just you I know, love there's this. like Georgia O'Keefe and, yeah. and you know, there's like all of the, like the main ones, but then there's also these little known ones from like 19th century in Africa. And she's just super inclusive and it's all of these artists that I have not necessarily heard of oh how cool and i love her illustrations they're beautiful oh, I, I love i love following her on instagram so i'm really i really like this book and i think it's it's really beautiful and it's a nice addition to your library especially if you liked women in science i feel like your girls would really like this well so we have her book women in science and then she did another one called women in sports and so we have that one too so i'm definitely going to buy this to fill out the the collection yes and then she also did illustrations for another book that i can't remember i think she was i think she she started out doing illustration for other books and then yeah, moved maybe. to doing her own. Um, so I really like that. And then the other thing is the completely opposite of a beautiful book. It's a timer with a terrible name. It's called the Time Timer. Ooh. I have no idea who markets these, but it's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, it's a very rudimentary looking timer. It's nothing sexy or fancy or technologically advanced, but you know, it, you turn it and it has like this red disc that takes up, you know, that takes up the, the face of the timer. So Uh like 60 minutes, 45 minutes. And because it doesn't require, it's so analog, it's great for, you know what, I'm going to sit and I'm going to work for 45 minutes and then I'm going to take a 15 minute break or, hey, girls, I want you to do XYZ for 30 minutes or Mm -hmm. sure, you can be on your you know, laptop doing whatever, but you can only be on for 45 minutes. And when it dings, it's done. You're not fighting yes. me. You're fighting the timer. The timer did so, the thing. Oh, same. I am such a fan of of the timer being the like outside entity. <laughs> yes. I throw the timer under the bus. I'm like, oh. you know, ah, oh, the timer went yep. off. Shoot. So yeah, those are mine. How about you? What are your two thumbs up? Um, okay. I have two drinks. Um, not intentionally. Um, so one of my new favorite drinks, it is this CBD sparkling water. And I know oh, nice. I'm like all over the CBD, but I do love it. But it's the brand is called CBD Living. But they have a sparkling water, which is, you know, it's a little bit like a LaCroix, but they mm-hmm. have a strawberry lavender flavor. And I love lavender in drinks. And so I am all about this one. Oh. Very refreshing. Very nice. Um, also good with a little vodka. Just, does it come in a can? It does. It comes in a can. Oh, yeah. Nice. Like Coke, you know, like you can just put a bunch of them. So we were talking about, um, we were talking last week about how we are like trying to have gatherings with friends. So when I have my friends over, because we're trying to stay socially distanced, I serve drinks in cans so that everyone can just, you know, no one's Pouring. touching each other's drinks. Um, and so I always have these out. So all my girlfriends are like obsessed with these now as well. The CBD Struggling I'll, have lavender. To try the, I'll have to check those out. Yeah, they're really good. And then another drink I have been loving, there's this brand called Humble Maker, and they have vitamin infused cold brew shots, which um, I cannot explain to you how delicious these are. They have one that is like a Mexican with like a little cinnamon in it. Ooh. Um, it is so freaking good. Um, 
And then they have zero sugar. So they're, so you can drink them black, I guess, you know, you could say, but I add a little stevia in because I can't, I can't do it. So, so a couple weeks ago, you were talking about your vitamin gummies. Yes. And I know that you also do like a before bed tonic. Yes. Is this something that you only take in the morning? And does it does it conflict with any of the vitamins that you're taking? It might. And I just don't even care. I throw in <laughs> caution to the wind. But no, their their vitamins are like they do they do have a multivitamin coffee shot, and I don't do that one. I do their antioxidant, oh, that's which great. just yeah. happens to be the Mexican flavor with a little cinnamon in it. Um, and so I'll just do a little shot, and it's like they're these. The packaging, I mean, is I'm all about the packaging. They're these little, like, medicinal-looking shots. And it's probably the amount of, like, two alcohol shots. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, but just – and so I will – I'll add a little stevia to the top. And then I sip on it all morning. So does it substitute for coffee? Yeah, I don't drink coffee. So, yes, it's it's my it's – my, It's wild to me that you don't drink coffee, but you like cold brew. I know. It's weird. It is very weird. And my kids actually love these too. Ooh. But this, the Mexican, their Mexican coffee, like it has a little cinnamon, it has a little cacao, and it has a little green tea. Like it's not a strong coffee. It is coffee, obviously. But there's something about it that's really smooth that I really like. I like all of your drink recommendations. Anything that comes in like a glass bottle or a pretty Mm -hmm. packaging... Uh, I am a sucker for. So well, I will... this one, you know, it's the fonts are great. The little, the yeah. packaging is like it's a brown, it's a brown little shot glass. Yes, <laughs> yes, I like it a lot. <laughs> we talked a lot about skincare on the show, and specifically tretinoin. If you're not familiar, it's a retinoid, which is an active vitamin A derivative that's used to improve the texture, tone, and appearance of the skin. Today's sponsor, Dear Brightly, has a product called Night Shift, and tretinoin is the active ingredient in Night Shift. This is the only FDA-approved retinoid for treating photoaging, which is premature skin aging due to long-term sun exposure. Tretinoin stimulates collagen production to prevent and treat signs of premature skin aging from years of sun damage, things like fine lines and wrinkles, dark spots, uneven skin tone, and big pores. Tretinoin can only be acquired through a prescription, but it's 20 times more potent than the -the over-the-counter retinol products. It's one of the most well-researched ingredients with over 50 years of research behind it for both acne and photoaging. I had a chance to try Night Shift, and I'm really liking it. I have the unfortunate experience of having both breakouts and wrinkles at the same time, and it's great for both. I have seen my fine lines decreasing. I've seen my skin tone looking better and it feels really nice. If you've used an over-the-counter retinol before, you know it's really great, but a dermatology-grade retinoid is even better. Night Shift is their dermatologist-formulated serum that's tailored to your skin by doctors online. Dear Brightly works by you first of all starting by sharing your skin story with them, then a doctor evaluates your skin and your skin history. They then tailor your formula and write a prescription, if applicable, and your tailored serum will be delivered to you in the mail. It's super simple and easy. Head to www.dearbrightly.com and enter the promo code SELFIE to get 15% off your first order, which is their very best offer for anywhere. That's S-E-L-F-I-E to get 15% off your first order at dearbrightly.com. So when I was a teen learning to shave my legs, my mom did not do me any favors by buying me really cheap disposable razors. If you grew up in as a teen in the 90s, you know the ones and they left nicks and cuts all over me when I was trying to shave. So With two girls learning how to shave their legs right now, I am committed to making sure that they have good quality razors. Guys, I was probably well into my 30s before I realized the difference a quality razor makes. Today's sponsor is Athena Club. They have great razor kits that we have been using in our house for a couple months. The razor blades are awesome. They are surrounded by this water-activated serum that has shea butter and hyaluronic acid, so you get a slicky smooth shave that actually leaves your skin soft and hydrated as opposed to stripped dry. And their blades are spaced out to let hair and shave cream pass through easily so you don't have to make a ton of passes going over and over the skin to remove the hair. Fewer passes means less irritation to your skin, which cuts down on razor burn and ingrown hairs. 
The razor kit is only $9 with free shipping and it comes with two blade cartridges, a cute little magnetic hook for your shower storage and your choice of a handle color. I personally chose the coral, but what I really like about it is they have a ton of different colors, black, white, pastel, neon. So if you have a big family like mine, everyone can have the razor in their own color so you don't get them confused. What I also love about Athena Club, you guys know I love automating things. You never have to worry about dull blades because they send refills on your schedule. You just choose how often you want them and they will send them automatically with free shipping. I would also highly recommend their cloud shave foam too. It's insanely thick and stays on while you shave so you don't have to reapply. It leaves your skin feeling very moisturized. It's really, really good. If you want to try a great quality razor that cuts down on the wastefulness of disposable razors, try Athena Club Razor Kit. You can get 20% off your first order at athenaclub.com with the promo code SELFIE. That's A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com with the promo code SELFIE for 20% off. We're going to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors. One of my peripheral challenges of this whole distance learning thing has been figuring out how to feed my kids because honestly, I really relied on them eating at school during the school year. Nurture Life is a great solution for busy parents. They are a meal delivery service just for kids and families. They make delicious meals that kids actually like with the right nutrition and portion sizes for every age group. They have a really extensive range of meals that includes finger foods for babies that are just learning to self-feed. They have toddler and kid meals, and they even have teen and adult meals and shareable family meals. Every one of their meals includes a full serving of vegetables and focuses on organic produce, antibiotic-free proteins, and whole grains. Their meals are crafted by chefs and dietitians, so you're getting good taste and balanced nutrition. For example, they have a mac and cheese with whole wheat and butternut squash blended right into the cheese. As a subscriber, you save on weekly meals and you get great discounts and it's really flexible. You can skip weeks, pause or cancel whenever you need, and food is showing up right at your door ready when you need it. Nurture Life also has some fun limited time meals like butter chicken with peas, rice, and mini naan and Japanese inspired chicken and vegetable noodles. It's really easy to order through their very user-friendly website. They're offering us a limited time discount. You can go to nurture.life slash selfie and use the promo code selfie to get 30% off your first two orders. Again, that's promo code selfie to get 30% off your first two orders at nurture.life slash selfie. Well, hello, Sarah. Hello. Good to see you. How are you holding up these days? Well, it's cool. I'm just, you know, running a podcast and an elementary school and a preschool. Mm -hmm. So it's fine. From your home? From my home? Yeah. It's not a career I anticipated. Mm -mm. Fine. It's totally fine. Well, I'm excited to have you on today to help us kind of navigate this sticky thing of talking about politics, especially when we don't agree. I know you and I have really similar backgrounds and that we both grew up very conservative and um, then had a shift into more liberal politics. And you have kind of made it your life's work um, to help people learn how to talk about politics civilly. You started a podcast with a friend that you have very different political views with called Pantsuit Politics. You guys wrote a book, and I love the title. I think you're wrong, but I'm listening. Talk to me about what it is that sort of pushed you into this space of wanting to help people be more civil in their dialogues about politics. Well, I think the first part was just a personality journey and friends being like, hey, we know you like conflict, but we don't. Mm -hmm. And so you need to like kind Uh of understand that you're putting us under a lot of stress because I really don't mind conflict and I can be pretty aggressive. But the thing about it is, is like when I'm done, I'm done. Like I don't carry grudges. I don't care about it any, like I just express it and then it's, it flows right on out. But I think for, as far as politics, my real aha moment was with Beth and it was on our other podcast, The Nuance Life, where we talk about like parenting and marriage and lifestyle. And Mm -hmm. on that particular episode, we were talking about church clothes, which I feel strongly about. Uh huh. So we're having this conversation and Beth is like, it's so funny because I think if you sat down and said, well, she's the, Sarah's the liberal and Beth's the conservative. And then you hear this church clothes conversation, you'd be like, wait, who's the, <laughs> totally. Totally. Cause totally. Beth is like, you do you, I don't yeah. care. And I'm like, but you know, it's just clothing has become this sort of like way for people to just be like, F you to everybody. It really bothers me. And she's mm-hmm. like, I hear you. And also shame is not the best motivator. 
like just laying down the shame on people uh-huh. doesn't move them. And I was like, oh, I think you're, oh no, mm. I think you're wrong. <laughs> I'm not getting anywhere. I keep sending these Atlantic long reads and nothing happens. Yes. And I just think this study and this statistic is going to just crack it wide open and everybody's mm-hmm. going to be like, Sarah, you were right all along. Right. Thank and you. And it just didn't happen. It makes me so sad every time. <laughs> but it is true. Like when people are in that shamed, defensive posture, yeah, they are not going to hear a word you say. It's so true. They're that is not. the truth. Yeah. If you start with shame, everyone stops listening. It's just like yeah. it just comes down like a metal gate and you're not getting anywhere. But what's so hard about that is I feel like, and it, it, and I feel like this has gotten even worse in the last couple years. It feels like we sometimes identify our politics by our differences. Like that is our starting point yep. is where we disagree. And we've kind of, we've gone, it seems like we've gone off into our corners. Would you agree? Oh yeah, for sure. And I think the problem is when people hear me say, well, you can't shame somebody the immediate thing is like, well, some of those differences that define us are about identity and the right to exist free of oppression. And so it becomes this like, are you really telling me I need to be sweet and polite to a white supremacist? Okay, no. Right. No, I'm not. Obviously, that's not the point. But like, the other thing that people, that's hard to say and that people don't love to hear is that, you know, if your our values at, you know, within our podcast and within our lives is, You know, everybody has a right to basic human dignity. Mm -hmm. Grace means everybody um, belongs, right? And if if your faith is informed by that, then that means that there's no exception. There's no love your enemy unless they're a white supremacist. Love your enemy unless they're anti-LGBTQ, you know? And so I Mm -hmm. think that that tension is really hard to just say. I'm like, yeah, we have to hold that tension. It doesn't mean invite them to Congress, or to the legislative making table, or to even your family table. Like, that's mm-hmm. different. Condoning, inviting in, sharing your platform. But because those differences are so, like, and, and we get in that posture, like, there's no there's no allowance for any sort of spectrum of, like, stance or behavior or strategy, right? It's all or nothing, you're in or you're out. There's mm-hmm. a lot of in-group, out-group. Yes. Um, like tribalism. And, you know, I think the only thing that probably shuts down people more than shame is tribalism. This idea that, like, in, out, you're done, you're canceled. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Or you're canceled because you're canceling people. Like, it's just. Yeah. It's so, it's so tight and hard and allows no, none of the complexity that exists when people get together. When human beings form opinions or try to talk about them. Yeah. (laughs) There's just no. There's no allowance for that. You know, I have to say, I mean, I've I've felt for a long time that, um, I mean, exactly what you were saying. And then it, I have struggled over the last few years with just feeling like the the more Trump kind of seals his identity as the leader of white supremacy, and the more you know signaling and the more I have really just kind I have been like, I'm out. Like, I can't, if, if you support Trump, we can't have a conversation. It's very difficult. It's very difficult because I feel like it's moved, it's moved out of the political. I mean, when, when Paul and I started our podcast and he's Republican, I'm Democrat, and it was, you know, five, six years ago, the differences we were talking about were things like the size of government, Mm -hmm. things that were actually political, um, how much taxes people should pay, you know, what is the role of states versus federal, which to me are more classic political things. Yep. But the political has really moved into, I think... Um, values, values Mm -hmm. and personal rights, you know, Mm -hmm. and personal value, personal value. And, you know, with the, the more recent, his attempt at grabbing rights away from LGBT people, or, you know, again, how problematic he has been, um, with race, I have found it more and more difficult to be civil 
because yeah. I do feel like, okay, guys, at this point, if you're still on the Trump train, I, I don't, I, I I'm, I'm having a hard time with that. No, I think that's 100% right. You know, the shift for us is my co-host changed her party registration. She is no longer yeah. a Republican. And our book, and, I mean, did she do that over this stuff? Like, yeah. yeah. It just became, you know, I think she started with, like, I want to do what I can from inside the party. And then mm-hmm. it just became like, there is no party. There is no small government. There right. is no um, concerns about federalism. Like, that's right. Gone. Like, that. that's, that's yeah. totally dissolved. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we always say, like, our book says grace-filled conversation. We don't really use the word civil a lot. I think it's lost yeah. a lot of meaning. Yeah. I think it's come to mean just dress it up or mm-hmm. play it down, and that's mm-hmm. not what we're talking about. And I think, you know, particularly with 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 um, people, and for our listeners, a lot of times that's family members. Yes. Still on the yes. Trump train. You know, because yeah. we're not saying go up to the, the steps of the Lincoln, Lincoln Memorial and right. engage with the nearest person you say. No. Like a lot of times we're talking about family These are members. conversations about people in our circles. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, at this point, like we had Joe Walsh, the, the former Republican mm-hmm. who ran against Donald Trump in the primary. And he was like, and like what this really became a conversation was about like, how would you treat a family member in a cult? Mm. How would you engage oh, with a okay. family member in a cult? Because that is that, helpful. Especially like QAnon, yeah. like this conspiracy theories. Like this is this is not, let's civilly talk about the size of government. We are, mm-hmm. that's like a different Way universe beyond. from where we're at right now. I agree. And I'll tell you my aha moment. I was listening or reading a New York Times piece about all these um, people talking about family members who were like totally absorbed into Fox News. Yeah. Often I they know the far, piece you're talking about. Yes. And they live far away from their family members. Yes. So think about what's happening. That's the input, constant, uh-huh. constant yep. input. And you're trying to come in, what, on a holiday mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. combat something they listen to all day long, every day. Yes. And I don't know if you remember this. At the bottom of the piece, there was this guy who was like, you know, my cousin did not give up on her brother mm-hmm. and he was alt-right and she just went at, she lived with like near him or with him mm-hmm. or somewhere mm-hmm. and just went at it and went at it and went that. And she was, he was like, and he, she saved him. <laughs> she like yeah. saved him from the alt-right. And I thought yeah. that's what we're talking about this piece. Like at this yes. point we're talking about li- like you literally need to read something about how to se- how to rescue a man- family member from a cult yeah. because it is, especially if there's this, if you're far away mm-hmm. and they're, I think it's much more the work of people who are like living day to day with these yeah. family members. Like we had a woman reach out about a, a neighbor and she was like, I love this woman, but she's listening to it all day. And I'm like, you know what I would do? I would, I would work on that. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, I really, you know, I think listening, cause a lot of times you'll get like, yeah, I know watching it all day long is bad mm-hmm. or I know I shouldn't listen to it all day long. Okay. Well let's, let's do a, like a news club and let's try out different pieces together. Mm-hmm. And you want, we'll listen to this podcast for a week and we won't listen to anything else. And then we'll talk about it together. Mm-hmm. Or we'll read this email newsletter every day for a week and we won't watch Fox news and I won't watch CNN. And then we'll talk about it. And mm-hmm. like really getting at the media habits. Yes. Almost more than the, you can't go at because it's it's like living in two different planets. So oh, you yeah. can't you can't chip away at that. You almost have to work at the media diet and like just like if you like if you read the stuff about how to engage with family members with the cult, it's literally like don't break the relationship. Uh-huh. Just keep you just have to keep you have to be another form of input, right? And yeah. that has to be a steady thing because you can't you know, with my father, my father is full MAGA. And so what I've been working on is hey, I'm really lucky. Like he said, he, I brought up QAnon the other day and he had no idea where it was, who, what it was. And I was like, praise God. Um, but he, I said, Hey, if Trump, if we can't trust Congress, if we can't trust anybody who so much as ever had a democratic thought, if we mm-hmm. can't trust judges or the bureaucracy or the FBI, who, if he makes a mistake, who's going to hold him responsible? And he still has mm. not been able to answer the question. Yeah. So, like, you know, I found a couple ways to, like, kind of yes. enroll in. But, I, again, this is somebody, I'm, I'm, I, can't, I can't not talk to my father anymore. Yeah. Um, although I know some people make that choice. Um, but, you know, but you, you just have to, like, you, that's what you have to work at. And it's tough, too, because I think as our nation has turned to a conversation around race, you know, if all of us pull out of relationship with 
the white people who are drinking Fox News like a fire hose or mm-hmm. engaged in alt-right message boards or all of that. If if all of the white people pull out of those relationships, then it allows, it kind of allows those people to just be in a bubble and flourish. And yep. it's like, ultimately, this whole white supremacy, alt-right business is white people's to fight, right? Like yep. it's ours to rein in. And I mean, I think the idea of it being like a cult is apt because there are so many. And I I don't want to say that every and I know you're not saying this, that every Republican is in a cult. Yeah. But I think the people who are only taking in news from message boards from Fox News, Facebook. Yeah. There are some really, you know, problematic things there. Um, but, you know, it, it, it can almost be a, a privilege um, f- as a white person to just say, like, I'm just going to cut contact with all of my other white friends and family who don't yep. agree with me. Um, whereas maybe a part of our even anti-racism work is staying in re- those relationships, pushing, 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 and trying to regulate our white brothers and sisters, literally or metaphorically, mm-hmm. um, and rein it in a little bit. And it's a real paradox, right? Because I think the the both things are true. Like yeah. I've heard, you know, I've heard some of our black brothers and sisters say, like, please don't. We need work done. We need yeah. protection. Please don't waste your time fighting on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Like, there's real work. Yeah, done. yeah, that yeah. is true. And also, I think it is true that social pressure works. Mm-hmm. Look at the flip on Black Lives Matter. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that tipping point where they realize, like. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-uh. Now, I will say what I've witnessed in my own community, particularly around LGBTQ, because we passed a fairness ordinance when I was a city commissioner, and we also had a conversation about Confederate flags. Mm-hmm. And what I saw is the the hardest um, social pressure to exert. Like, there's a fine line because, again, when people, what I heard was this used to, like my Christian identity or either my like Southern heritage, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. used to make me feel proud. And you're telling me to feel ashamed about it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And that can mm -hmm. harden too. And that's where you get into shame territory, right? I think there's a, there's a, there's this really, really difficult balance between, oh, wait, I see all these people I know and like and trust um, aligning here. And so I need to think about it. Mm -hmm. And you're making me feel ashamed. And then I, then I'm like the rebel. Then I don't, right. I don't want to just go with the masses. I'm the smart, reasonable one, AKA every libertarian you've ever met in your life. Yes. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like that, that kind of pushback. Like we, I, we had a conversation yesterday with a woman who said I was like basically abandoning my conservative evangelical values and my progressive friends. I realized the shame was not helpful to that transition. No, no, mm-hmm. she didn't say shame. She said passion. The passion was mm. not helpful to that transition. And I thought, oh, man, she's onto something there. Mm. Like you have to give, and it's hard, and that's why you need to be in relationship with the person because I can't yeah. give you an algorithm where this will work every time. Right. Like, you have to know the person well enough to know when you can give a little bit, like, and then just step away and let them process it so they don't feel like they're being peer pressured. Mm-hmm. Because most of us want to think that we're, like, that we'll just take in the information and decide, you know, right. nobody really does that, but that's okay. Some people need to feel like that. Like everybody's bringing their own psychological perspectives and yeah. logical fallacies and limited views to everything. And that's cool. But like, I think that everybody needs to, most people need to feel like they're coming to that place on their own, yeah. not being pushed, shamed or dragged. Yeah. And if we want people to get there, which I do, that's what I want. I want people to get there. And they are like, I know it's hard to believe even with Trump, but like, you don't know how many listeners we have that are like, I'm, I'm, I was out. I can't do it. I was raised my whole life to believe if I was a Christian, I was a Republican. Mm-hmm. Like we have so many people oh, yeah. like that. People yeah. who voted for Trump and were like, I made a huge mistake. Oh yeah. And so we have to let them get there and like firmly plant their feet and not rush in with the shame. Right. You know, like. Even like we've been talking a lot about this whole JK Rowling thing. And there's a mm-hmm. part of me that's like, I wish at the very beginning, like Emma Watson had just called her and been like, hey, can we talk about this? Because the harder you come down, 
the more less the less likely they are to listen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just that's hard because you have to be in relationships that, with that person to understand that balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it is a hard balance. And I I agree that people when they feel like they're being pushed or judged really put walls up. Mm-hmm. Really, really put walls up. Um, and I want to go back to something you were saying earlier, which was this whole idea of tribalism. Um, because I'm seeing that even more too. And it's really funny. I mean, even in some of the Facebook groups that I'm in for my town, which wow, are a cesspool. Um, but it's so interesting. Like I might write something or say something and then immediately, um, people are in there calling me a socialist, a liberal, a libtard, which is, you know, that's my favorite. But I find it so interesting to be called a socialist or a liberal because I'm like, I am. Like, I am am those things. Yeah. Like, it's it's fascinating that we've even managed to make each other's affiliations an insult, you know. Yeah. Without even. And that is... I mean, I think that's that's a function of social media for one yeah. time, for sure. Um, it lets people, you know, you're not in relationship with somebody who's calling you a libtard. Like, no. that's just, that's not a thing. No. Um, and so I think that it is, you know, and it takes, I think you can diffuse that even on Facebook, but it's hard. It's like, I did it yesterday with this woman who I got into it about um, Rayshard Brooks' criminal mm-hmm. record. Mm-hmm. But it took time and it took like, patience and it took me like seeing some of her like values also doing a lot of like I didn't mean it that way like you got to back off and Uh like apologies are free on Facebook and if you can do that and like in a lot of I had to use some humor and by the end I think I had gotten somewhere with her where she was like okay I see that's not what you meant Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'd send her some stuff that I hope kind of expands her worldview one percent I didn't transform her but what I hope I did and I didn't know this woman I had no relationship with her um, was just create a little bit of space. So it mm-hmm. wasn't this liberals coming in and calling me a bad Christian. And I was right. like, that's not what I'm doing. Like, I don't, mm-mm, that's not mm-hmm. what I'm asking you is, you know, this does not seem to align with my understanding of the teachings of Christ. And I just want to yeah. have a conversation about that. Yeah. Just create a little space for you to think about it. That's it. That's mm-hmm. all I'm looking to do. Like you have mm-hmm. to, especially if anything's happening on social media, like your expectations need to go way down. Yes. <laughs> way down. And you better have some patience because it takes forever. Yeah. And like, I don't really, I think I just got to the space. Even the last night I was like, oh, I remember what this was like. And it can be kind of satisfying, but it just, it's not, it takes too much time. Like mm-hmm. it's to, to disrupt any, if somebody's calling you a libtard, like the time and energy you're going to have to spe- spend to disrupt yeah. that even 1% is so much. It's well, so and much. I, I feel like if, if someone's coming from a point of view of being a liberal is canceled, like you're yeah. just canceled. If you're a liberal, you're canceled. If you are a socialist, like you're actually seen as an enemy entity. Yep. They're not going to get anywhere. When someone is that entrenched. Well, and that's what we've done, right? We've just, we, we raised the stakes so high and because they are high, like they it's, are it's high. both true and not true. It's a paradox yeah. of politics yeah. in that it is both the stakes are very high. And also it is not the entirety of our existence, mm-hmm. even as an oppressed person, even as an oppressed minority, like, you know, it's just, it's really hard to, to say, you know, we need to take this seriously. And also if you make it everything, then the stakes are so high that everything is justified. Like if you say like that just makes the dehumanization and even violence justified when you say, this is the whole world, the mm-hmm. whole world is here. Right. Um, and I think that's, what's really difficult. And I think that's what you see is it's so lost in our politics is that there's no space. There's no space to just take the heat down no space to say this is both absolutely important and also not so important. We should be able to justify dehumanization or violence. You know, even like I try not to say things like, you know, this person is a dumpster fire or this person is a trash human, which is something you hear from progressives all the time. Yeah. And it's not, we can't do that. Like the second we, we creep into like, I think one of the most interesting things is Brene Brown talking about like, 
that when she was doing like a lot of her political vulnerability and if we have if we you know make room for the children of Barack Obama then we need to make room for the children of Donald Trump and she was like I had in the progressive places people would get up and walk out way more that was way more common Hmm. than in conservative spaces Um, and I think we have to just be careful of that it's so hard though because I think it's it's really hard when you know that people are being oppressed not to mi- not to make it a level 10. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's really hard. And I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm struggling with that. <clears throat> um, just because I would, I would say that there are people for whom it feels, it feels like a level 10 because their rights are being taken away or because they are concerned, you know, concerned that, I don't know, like, I, I I actually have concerns that Trump is poking at a race war, oh, you know? Oh, poking. It, right. Poking. Okay. So we're both on the no, same I, page with that. Yeah, so then it I, don't, it... I don't think it is, is this a level 10? I'm not, I am never, ever, ever going to argue with somebody else if it's their level 10. Yeah. That's not my job. I don't know what it's like to walk in your shoes. My thing is, if it is a level 10... We still don't dehumanize. Yeah. We still don't do that because that's a risk to us. We lose. Yeah. We lose. You know what I mean? Like that no matter the level, there is some language and behavior that is off the table. No yeah. matter what the, if it's a level 10, then if in, you know, sort of in the language of like nonviolence, and mm-hmm. um, love, and if those are your values, then that th- then that person is still a human being deserving of basic human dignity. Yeah, like that. That is that 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 is you know again that they're not a trash human because a trash human implies that you're not a human and I can throw you away. Right. We don't do that. That doesn't mean we condone it. It doesn't mean we invite right. them to our right, right, or right. our table. But it just means no matter how high the level that it we do not ju- that is not justify that sort of dehumanization. Yeah. And it seems like that should be implied, but man, I'm not sure it is anymore. I think where it becomes difficult is when the the person in question is dehumanizing. So Absolutely. I think I think Absolutely. that is where my struggle really is is like the guy who felt that he should show up in a Confederate flag at a Black Lives Matter rally and yell um, at the people going by with his Trump signs, yep. you know, and, and yell black lives don't matter. Like I, I struggle with not being like, well, you're dehumanizing. So yep. I'll dehumanize. like, it's hard. I it's mean, it's very I think, hard. It's very hard, but I think that, you know, to dehumanize in the face of dehumanization is a vicious cycle. We don't, yeah. we've been caught up before in human yeah. history and it didn't end well. Yeah. Um, and I think I read a really great book on nonviolent communication, but it's like Oren, I can't remember his last name. He's one of the guys on the 10% happier app. So good. And he gets to this point with nonviolent communication where he talks about basically, if you are in conflict, Mm -hmm. it's almost always strategy because values are universal. Um, and even with someone you know, if you can keep scratching at it and scratching at it and scratching at it, um, usually you're not arguing about values. You're arguing in the face of fear. Yeah. That, the person standing at a Black Lives Matter waving that stuff is just hardened to the, play, to the, to the point of stone in the face yeah. of a massive amount of fear. Fear. It's so you true. I mean? Yeah, it, it is all fear-based. I do agree with that. And that... I mean, I will say that that is one thing that I have been trying to keep top of mind is these people are scared. And whether they're scared is justified or not, which I don't believe it is, whether it's that they're scared of losing their white privilege or the other one that has been difficult for me is the people who are scared that they're losing their rights because they're being asked to wear a mask mask. or stay home or that that their fears are real for them. 
you know, while I may not think that they are real, they are real for them. And that empathy jump has been very difficult for me. Well, and it's also, I think that when you talk about those fears, it became in progressive culture. Well, that means that they're top priority. No, 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 no. I did not say that. Recognizing someone's fear does not mean that it is of prime importance or should be centered over the fear of an oppressed person. It became the Fear Olympics. No one's saying that. Like, we don't have to do that. Everything doesn't have to be a hierarchy. In fact, I think that's what progressives are arguing, is we want to abandon hierarchy, right? Mm -hmm. But a thing I think about all the time, did you watch Mrs. America on Hulu about Phyllis Schlafly? Yes, I did. I love it so much. Phyllis Schlafly is, you know, my favorite person. I love to hate her. I don't try not to dehumanize her. I'm not always successful. Um, And so, but that moment where Gloria Steinem says, Rose Byrne is Gloria Steinem. How long do we give people to adapt to change? Hmm. This is is what I think is at the center of all this, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Is, you know, when people's lives are on the line and you're running up against this fear and the pace of change is accelerating and you just have this really difficult situation in which... You need people. You're never going to have everybody, but you need, we need people on board. We live in a democratic society. Mm-hmm. I don't think Louisiana is going to succeed. I don't think California is going to succeed. So we have to, we have to get every, we're, yeah. we're participating, right? Yeah. In theory, we want to continue on together. Then how do we, how do we do that? How do we mm-hmm. accelerate the pace of change? Because people's lives are on the line. Mm-hmm. No debate about that. Yeah. And also deal with the fact that that pace of change is either leaving people behind, hardening their fears, radicalizing them. Like, I don't, it's really difficult. I don't know the answer to the question of how long do we give people to adapt to change? I truly don't know the answer. Well, Um, I mean, I think, and I think, you know, a part of this conversation is nuance and it, and it's that I can hold empathy for others but I'm not going to hold progress for them. Like right. I'm not, you know, we're not going to, right? Like, somebody tweet that. That's really good. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, because it's like, I'm, I see your fear. I understand your fear, but we're going to move on. Like we're mm-hmm. going to keep moving. We're not going to, well, let's, let's hold off on black lives mattering because Until you feel people safer. feel scared. Yeah. Right. Right. Or, you know, or, well, gosh, I mean, people are really frightened about their rights being taken away. So let's just let them go and cough without a mask on in a restaurant, you know? Right. So it's like, I think it's holding both at the same time that I can have some empathy, but at the same time, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep pushing for progress and, and well, safety and for all. And back to our original thing about self-righteous, right? Yeah. The truth is, and, and I think it's, it's hard to... Every time I do, like every time I do reflective listening, it's like shocks me how well it works. Yeah. But the yeah. truth is that fear in progressive cycles, it, be, it becomes, I can't hear you because I'm not going to do what you want. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think so often if people felt heard, they would not push so hard for yeah. action because what they really want is to feel heard. And we've turned that into listening to you mm-hmm. and empathizing with you and affirming your feelings means I'm going right. to up progress. And I agree with you. And yes. those are two different things. Well, you, know, you totally can listen are. and yeah. you can affirm and you can say, I hear you, but mm-hmm. we're bad at that. We're, we're just, yeah. we're bad at that as Americans. I'm not sure we're great at it as humans. It's a very difficult, if you're a parent, you know how hard it is to affirm your child's feelings without wanting to fix it. Oh, totally. It's difficult. I really hear what you're saying that you feel very frustrated that you can't play that ds for three more hours hours. Mm -hmm. right no you're so you're so right yeah (laughs) it's hard but i think it's so powerful it's it is and i'm kind of i'm having a light bulb moment around that because you know my background is in psych and you're absolutely right reflective listening is incredibly powerful and i think we are afraid to do it as it relates to politics it's very difficult for me to say what I hear you saying is you're really scared that you're going to lose your rights if you put that yep. mask on. And, you know, because I want to be like, you dumbass. Dumb, dumb. Yeah. It's like, just a mask. No one's taking your freaking rights away, you know. <laughs> but if I could come with a posture of 
reflectiveness listening, as you said, that doesn't cost me anything. Uh-uh. It doesn't mean I'm agreeing with them, but perhaps if I started that way, I know that if I started that way, I know this from my psych training, if, if I approached it that way, guards would have come down and then we could have a conversation yep. about like, is this rational that you're, you, you feel that way, but let's talk about like, oh, maybe, 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 um, you know, maybe it's not about your rights. Maybe. It, yep. Yeah. Well, and listen, it's, it's not one conversation. I think that's, what's hard for people yeah. too. Everybody has felt so shut down for so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, everywhere because mm-hmm. we stopped talking about it with people yeah. who disagreed with us that there's just you'll you'll I realize this a lot when I knocked on doors for my campaign because when you knock on doors to ask for somebody's vote it's like oh you have to listen to my political opinions like because right. you knocked on my door so like this is a safe space right and they would just verbal diarrhea you know like I've been holding it in and I have so many fears and concerns and I'm yeah. just so mad about it especially because think about it it's not just that we stop talking to each other mm-hmm. but it's that the flow of cable news is one way yeah you know what I mean like so they're yes. taking all yes. this in yeah with nowhere to, to mm-hmm. push it out right and so like a lot of this especially with like family members it's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of, of reflective listening for like a while yeah. You know what I mean? Like they have to exercise that and that's okay. Like mm-hmm. some of that's some of our work to do in the world, especially mm-hmm. as white people, mm-hmm. like be that, let them, let them just get it out. Mm-hmm. You know, like just let them get it out without shame, without shutting it down. Because if you shut it down, it's just going to fester. Yeah. So just let them exercise those fears and demons. Cause sometimes when you, you know, this is psych, sometimes just pulling them out and saying them out loud, you're like, Oh wow, that's, that's really, st- I realized it's so true. Stupid. You know, the the reason for the conversation has to be front of mind, which is, you know, the reason for the conversation is not to make everyone feel better. The reason for the conversation is to to maybe help people reconsider some of their stances that are dehumanizing to other people. Yeah. I just want like the littlest of forward movement. Yeah. Like, again, the expectations need to go so low. Like Beth always says, we're not asking you to sit down at Thanksgiving and draft immigration legislation. Nobody needs that. That's not the goal. The goal is not to convince Mm -hmm. everyone you're 100% right. Mm -hmm. The goal is to just like, let's just get some cracks so some light can get in. You know what I mean? Like we're just, we're just trying to make the littlest bit yeah. Because, you know, you've, you, you've seen this probably in your own life in some relationships with people. You say it and you do it and you create some space and then all of a sudden it breaks wide open. You're like, whoa, wow, that was actually yeah. making an impact the whole time. Yeah, I, I have absolutely seen that. And I know that I have, I know that I have made shifts in friends' lives that, yeah. that have come after a very, very long amount of relationship. And I... I do. I mean, I, I've said it before, but I do think, you know, it is the job of white Christians to get our house in order. white. Yeah. To get our house in order. <laughs> right. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's a mess. It is a mess and we got to clean it up. And some of that's going to be real messy. Yeah. And it's going to, and it's like the work of a lifetime, right? It None is. of this is going to, mm-hmm. all the stuff we're dealing with right now was built up over hundreds of years. Like yeah. it's not, we're not going to, we're not going to fix it with a Facebook post. It's going to no. take a lot of work and it's not going to happen in our lifetime. And that's yeah. character building to yeah. work on things. You know, I was thinking of Susan B. Anthony, like, she mm-hmm. never saw women get the right mm-hmm. to vote. It mm-hmm. never, it did not happen in her lifetime. But aren't we glad that she like, yeah. probably realized that and kept at it anyway? Yeah, I am. Yes, you know? <laughs> thank you. That's hard. Yeah. yeah, and I don't think we're. Tra- I think because a lot of this, you know, the other big factor is we're in a consumer society, and the consumerism, especially with our mass media environment, is that message of it's a quick fix, it's one mm-hmm. buy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you're happy. The car will mm-hmm. make you. Car plus you equals happiness. Yeah, like. That's, that's really entrenched. Yeah. So saying to somebody, well, we have these problems that we're just going to like chip away at really, really slowly and you'll never see it come to fruition in your lifetime. is not something that we're used to hearing. No, not at all. Or, but people of faith should have that language. People of faith (laughs) should have that language in theory. Yeah. Yeah. You'd think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you. And I think, you know, some of the people that I have seen, you know, make shifts. Um, it has been after a long, long relationship. Okay. Well, 
This has been so good and actually even challenging for me. Where can people find your book and where can they find you online? Well, you can find our book wherever you find books. Yes. Um, and you can find our podcast wherever you find podcasts. You can listen Love on it. our website or you can um, go to Podcast Player. We're really active on Instagram. I do a mm-hmm. news brief mm-hmm. for people who are like tiptoeing back into the news environment but don't so want to turn on CNN, which yep. don't. Don't turn mm-hmm. on CNN. I don't ever turn on CNN. I don't watch the cable <laughs> news. It's, it's toxic. Um, I do a news brief every morning in our, Insta- in our so IGTV. Good. So lots of places yeah. you can find us. Today's episode is sponsored by DecoCrated. I've been getting DecoCrated boxes for over a year now. If you're not familiar, it is a subscription box company. You guys know I love my subscription boxes. And they send seasonal decor to your home four times a year. It's really great for someone like myself. I want to decorate for the seasons, but I actually get very overwhelmed with knowing where to start. Prior to getting their boxes, I felt like I could just handle Christmas. But now I get four boxes a year, and I feel like it's really upped my game with decorating for the seasons. One thing I really like about them is that their pieces build on each other. They send ideas for how to refresh and style the things they've sent in previous boxes. So, for example, they sent a Halloween sign that flips over and transitions to a fall sign. Or they might send holiday pieces, but then they show you how to pair that tray they sent with the summer box with the holiday pieces. It's really versatile and creative, and I really like the inspiration. You can subscribe annually, or you can just get an individual seasonal box. I've been really pleased with DecoCrated, and I will also suggest with the holidays coming up, a subscription is a really great gift for friends or family who also like home design. You can subscribe to DecoCrated by using the link bit.ly slash DecoCrated. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash D-E-C-O-C-R-A-T-E-D. And you can use the code R-A-T-M 10 to get 10% off. Hi guys, I'm BJ and in my private practice as an emotional wellness coach, we address trauma, attachment wounds, and the roles they play in how we show up in our lives today. I've found my self-care has a profound impact on my mental health, so I'm here to invite you into the journey of emotional self-care. I was asked this week to talk about abandonment of self. That's hard to do without making sure we all understand the concept of inner child work. I have an approach to this that keeps it pretty simple. We each have an inner child and an inner adolescent. The inner child represents the first few years of our lives, infancy, and early childhood. The inner adolescent represents that time when we finally begin to develop autonomy and independence from our caregivers, and these stages will basically reflect our actual developmental stages. In a healthy environment, as infants and children, we'll have the vast majority of our needs met. We'll be fed when we're hungry, have a safe place to sleep. Our parents will lovingly gaze into our eyes. They'll engage us verbally and intellectually and not only soothe us when we cry, but they'll learn what each of our cries and behaviors mean because for the first couple of years of our lives, these are the only ways we know how to communicate. As adolescents in a healthy environment, our parents will give us freedoms we've not had before. We'll develop independence. As we begin to navigate the world outside the presence of our parents, we'll test the waters of adulthood. We'll push the limits of authority. We'll practice, often poorly, making decisions decisions on our own. On top of that, our hormones are going to kick in and our bodies are going to begin to develop and we'll get moody and defensive because these things are really confusing and kind of scary. And in fact, there's a lot about living out in the world independently that scares us, but we want it so badly as adolescents, we won't let on that we're scared. So we'll use anger and defensiveness as a shield to mask our fear. So what happens when we don't grow up in a healthy environment? Well, even in a healthy environment, we reach all of these developmental milestones at our own unique pace. But in an unhealthy environment, that pace is usually interrupted, delayed, or arrested. And in each of these cases, our developing brains register these experiences as traumatic. Here's where I always want to remind you that we have all experienced developmental trauma. None of our parents did the job perfectly. And we can accept that they did the best they could and also that their best fell short of what we needed. And that's where our inner children come in. If as a child, you often felt unsafe anxious, scared, if you weren't always sure what to expect from one moment to next, or you were left to fend for yourself at too young an age. Maybe you felt you had to be the funny one or the perfect one or the compliant one. These are some of the ways you coped with childhood, and they're how your inner child shows up in adulthood. What's important to know about the inner child is this. She has no understanding of adult situations. She doesn't even have words to describe what she's feeling, because at two or three, you had very limited vocabulary and use of language. So when you're in the midst of an argument as an adult and you can't 
can't seem to speak or find your words, that might be your three-year-old self in a freeze response. For those first years of our lives, our world is really small and primarily navigated for us by our parents. But at some point, we begin to realize the world's a lot bigger than we thought. And if your home felt unsafe or chaotic, you might have wished you could escape it. This is why your inner adolescent came to be. Here's what's important about the inner adolescent. She exists to protect and rescue the inner child. The inner child is scared and anxious. So is the inner adolescent, but she will rarely present that way. She's most likely to show up as angry and defensive, judgmental, resentful, maybe jealous, usually impulsive. So what does that look like in adulthood? You find yourself in a situation where you're feeling insecure and suddenly you feel jealous or judgmental for no reason. Maybe against someone you don't even know. Maybe everything someone is saying feels personal or like you're being attacked in a passive aggressive way. That's your inner adolescent. What we're describing are trigger responses. A trigger is a dissociation from the present moment where the part of our brain that holds trauma believes a childhood trauma is reoccurring. So in that moment, the child is scared. And if she's the one reacting, you'll have a freeze response and shut down or a flight response and try to get out of the situation as quickly as possible. If the adolescent is reacting, it'll be a fight response. See, in our adult selves, we know exactly who we are, what we need. We can speak up for ourselves. We have words and understanding of what's going on. We have no need to be defensive or judgmental, even if we're being attacked. We can be angry and we can respond to that anger appropriately. Bottom line, we feel secure and there's no reason for us to have these reactions. If we're having them, we're not in our adult selves. So we abandon ourselves when in the face of a trigger, we fall into those survival skills and we allow our inner child or our inner adolescent to run amok in our adult life. And suddenly we don't feel so secure. Codependence is a great example of this. If you were raised by a narcissist who expected everyone to cater to their needs, you probably found ways to appease her. And the reward was usually some breadcrumbs of approval or affection. You equated those breadcrumbs with love, right? But you want to know what else? Taking care of her also felt like love. So now in adulthood, you find yourself taking care of other adults the same way. Your partner, your adult children, your parents, even friends. Because that feels like love to you. And your expectation is that if you love them that way, they will return love to you. And you'll probably accept it in whatever form it comes. Because that's what you grew up believing love looked like. So you'll abandon yourself to take care of others. Because it feels good. The person who asked me to address this topic asked how it might apply if we're LGBT+. She wanted to know how she can feel grounded, secure in her identity, and not feel like an imposter. Jana, learning to live in your adult self is about reassuring that little child and that adolescent in you, they no longer need to worry about anything. You have everything you need to live your adult life in the truth of your identity, which, by the way, is one of value and profound worth. Though most of us have struggled with imposter syndrome, it likely runs much deeper for you than us cisgenders. I don't know your story, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say, going through all those developmental stages, knowing there was something about you that didn't match what your parents and society expected of you, that's a lot of confusion for a little girl, and especially an adolescent. What I know to be true is you are designed to be exactly who you are. Your worth and your value is your birthright as much as mine is mine, and your truth is inalienable. The good news is, in your adult self, you can wrap those little ones in your arms and give them the nurturing and acceptance they never got. You can heal them. In fact, no one else can once we reach adulthood. So if that little one inside of you is waiting on someone to give her what she needs, look in the mirror. You're the one she's waiting for. Hey, thank you for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us on Instagram at at selfiepodcast and in the Selfie Podcast community group on Facebook. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so you can catch up with us next week. Take care. Take care.